You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, your trusty, trusty if not talented host of the program. We're with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Everything's happening at Peter Brook. I mean, you've got football season, so you need the treats. And it is a Thursday, by the way, so... If you're looking for some doghouse prevention with another big football weekend upon us, you need to get by Peter Brook Chocolates here right now. Take care of that significant other. Go ahead and lay that groundwork. Keep yourself out of trouble this weekend. When you park it, when you park it in the recliner, you know, for that 14 to 16 hour shift on Saturday, you, you need to have a, a happy significant other. At least a, a you know a content significant other, and Peterbrook Chocolates here, among other things, can help you with that. Joined on the program by the producer of Southern Fried Sports, James Ludeman. James, who together we combine a form, by the way, the sixty minute man, woo, of Sports Talk Radio. James, how you doing on this Thursday morning? Man, I'm I'm doing good, buddy. I I got. Uh... I got Tampa Bay Rays up two one in the series. The Bucks play oh, the man. Bears tonight. I'm I'm loving Tampa Bay life, man. You're all tampered up, man. Oh you're yeah, two. You're li- you're literally Tampa two right now. You've got the Rays and the Bucks tonight up there against our guy Joe Gaither's Monsters of the Midway. Bucks and Bears tonight on the cable. Tom Brady, no OJ Howard, unfortunately, right. OJ out with that Achilles injury for the remainder of the season was off to a good start too down there in Tampa. Is Gronk James? Is Gronk just washed at this point? Is it safe to say that about Gronk? I mean, they're going to need him now, aren't they? Yeah. I look. I don't think he's washed. I just think he was brought in to do a specific job and to kind of help a guy like OJ Howard. But now that OJ went down with Achilles, he's out for the year. I think tonight may be the the coming out party for Rob Gronkowski tonight. There you go. There you heard it, James, calling for it. Gronk Palooza up in Chicago tonight. Uh, the Devil Rays too, as you mentioned, with that win over the Yankees, now up two one. And look, the Devil Rays are a damn good baseball team. Okay, I mean, if you want to talk best overall records in all of baseball. Uh, you can put the Devil Rays right up there with the top two or three teams in Major League Baseball during this COVID-19 shortened season. But, James, you just know for a storied program, for a storied program, a storied franchise, maybe the most storied franchise in all of professional sports, it's got to hurt the Yankees when they lose series to to franchises like uh, the Devil Rays. I mean, it's got to hurt those those fans and that and that uh, that organization, kind of like Alabama, you know, in football, you know, dropping a couple of games to Ole Miss there a few years ago. It, it's got to feel that way to them, James. 
Yeah, I look. And first of all, it, it's not the Devil Rays anymore. We dropped that it's in 08. The it's okay, the Rays. Look. No, we dropped the Devil and went to the World Series in the same year. It's true, true story. But no, I I'm with you on that. And listen, the Rays beat the Yankees eight out of ten times during the regular season. So I think they're used to getting beat by Tampa Bay. Yeah, but it's different. I mean, when you're talking about 27 World Series championships, you know, we're talking about a storied tradition here with the Yankees. I think the Yankees don't like, obviously, losing to the Red Sox, um, you know, or the Dodgers or, or teams like that when it comes to the postseason. But but at least they can understand that there's some history there, you know. And, and when you think about the Rays, and, and look, they'll always be the Devil Rays to me. And that'll always – I don't care what they call it now. I don't know if it's still Tropicana Field or not. Yeah, it it's is. a whole whatever it is. It's one of the worst venues I've ever attended in person. Uh, is it still Tropicana? Tropicana Field down there in Tampa? Travis, Pete, Travis, actually. man, you're, you're killing me today. Tropicana Field is, is – it's 72 degrees year-round. No hot sun, no hole. rain, no nothing. It's it is hole. not a hole. It is awful. It's the, it's the worst ballpark in all of Major League Baseball right now. It has to be. I mean, I can't think of a worse ballpark than the Trop. And I don't mean to go low on James here. I mean, we're trying to be positive out of the gate – but anyway, James, I'm happy for you. It is a time for Tampa to certainly stand up. You got Tom Brady at quarterback. You got the Rays doing their thing in the postseason. It is. Lightning won the Stanley it, Cup. Lightning won the Stanley Cup. I mean, it's all about Tampa right now. It's absolutely all about Tampa. I like that area. You know, it's pretty transient down there. Been to Clearwater Beach a few times. Very nice there. Very nice area. My hometown. There. Yeah. I'm from Clearwater, yeah. yep. What at Clearwater High School is that? What was the nickname? The Tornadoes. The Tornadoes. Like yep. I actually, yeah, I actually went to Northeast High School, which is uh, uh, okay. the Vikings. But yeah, but that's my home area. Been right by that high school several times in my in my previous life, I guess you can say. Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board with us on this Thursday morning, you're more than welcome to do so. As you probably have heard by now. Alabama Ole Miss moved from the 5 o'clock kickoff time on Saturday evening at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium to 6.30 p.m. So an hour and a half difference, shift moving it back. That game, I guess, still slotted for ESPN coverage. And we got good news on the announcing crew front once again this week. We got Sean McDonough. We got Todd Blackledge and uh, Todd McShay offering up assistance uh, uh, of some kind there on the broadcast. But we have primarily Blackledge and McDonough. So we always love to see those two guys on our cable television sets. And, in fact, they did this game in Oxford two years ago. They were the crew there in 2018. Remember that one? Ole Miss hit the big play early. DK Metcalf, I believe it was, on the deep ball behind Savion Smith. And 7 nothing, Ole Miss, and Alabama proceeds to rip off 62 straight points. And that was a wrap from the Grove. 205-342-9904. We'll get into some matchups of note for this Alabama-Ole Miss game as we move throughout the program today. We'll also have Chris Hummer, the senior college football writer for 247sports.com coming up. Chris, you talk about an interesting setting that he's going to experience this weekend chris hummer will be at the red river do they call it the rivalry now they didn't like shootout you know that was one of those pc things they had to take shootout it used to be the red river shootout um but chris will be at oklahoma texas this saturday from the cotton bowl in dallas texas so we'll talk with chris a little bit about that but i'm going to ask chris hummer coming up in about 10 minutes or so. I'm going to ask Chris Hummer what he knows about the SEC through two games, two weeks of play, what he thinks he knows about the SEC, and what he's about to find out about this league as we move into week three. And it should be an interesting one. You know, you got the Saban Disciple Bowl, I guess you could call it, in Athens, Georgia, that day. Tennessee and Georgia are going to get after it at Sanford Stadium. 2.30 on CBS Saturday. So you certainly look forward to that matchup. You know you know what I'm sensing? I'm sensing more and more 
of this sort of momentum towards Texas A&M in its matchup with the Florida Gators in that early kickoff from College Station Saturday. More and more folks I talk to seem to be shifting over towards the Aggies. I don't know why at this point. You know, what's Jimbo Fisher in year three against top five opponents to this point of his tenure there at A&M? Isn't it, isn't it 0 and 8? 0 and 9, James? Something like that? Yeah, it's it's awful, and I don't understand why Jim, Jimbo couldn't beat Flor- or Florida at Florida State except for the one year he had Jameis Winston. Yeah, yeah, he was tough on everybody when he had Jameis there for a couple of years. Nick O'Leary at tight end. Uh, I think he had Freeman at the running back spot, too. Had some ballers. And Dalvin those, Cook, uh, too. Yeah, Dalvin Cook. Yeah, he had some ballers there in that stretch there with uh, Jameis. But, you know, we'll see. I'm not quite there. I'm not quite there, James, with A&M just yet. I, here's the crazy thing about it. I, I think A&M is better defensively than Florida right now. But I trust Florida offensively with Kyle Trask and Dan Mullen than I do A&M with the $75 million offensive guru and Jimbo Fisher and his quarterback, Kellen Mond. Supposed to be the other way around in year three, isn't it? Yeah, Kyle Pitts Pitts is the best tight end in the country, in my opinion. I don't think there's much doubt about that. Um, Just a matchup nightmare. And there's some good tight ends in the league this year, man. And Alabama's going to see a couple of them in a row here. Um, saw Jalen Weidermeyer of A&M last week. It's going to be a tight end game on Saturday in College Station. You've got Weidermeyer for A&M and Pitts for Florida. I'll put the over-under for tight end receptions for Florida-Texas A&M. I'm going to put the total between the two teams' tight ends I'm going to put it at, uh, gosh, I'll put it at 18 and a half. You're going to go over or under that? James, uh, over, I'll under. go, uh, man, that's a tough that's one. a lot. I, I know, that is yeah. a lot. I, I'm going to take I'm going to take the under on that. Yeah. I, I think 15 is probably reasonable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Targets won't be an issue, though. You know that. I mean, oh, no, both no, those no. guys are going to have plenty of targets. And even as you saw here in Tuscaloosa last Saturday, uh, the backup tight end. The, the second tight end for Texas A&M can factor into things. Ryan Rennick had the touchdown grab against the Crimson Tide uh, here on Saturday. So, you know, Alabama now goes from Jalen Weidermeyer to Kenny Yaboa, a tight end for Ole Miss that has produced some explosive plays through two games for the Rebels, and that's one of those matchups that we'll talk about more and more in the next couple of days. Alabama defensively, between the linebacker and safety levels, can it sort of narrow that amount of green space that we've seen between themselves and, say, running backs and tight ends and inside receivers, H receivers? Uh, That'll be a big storyline for Saturday in Oxford because, again, with not only Yaboa, but with what Ole Miss does with its backs – Jerry and Ely is one of those guys, kind of like an Anaya Smith from last week. Elijah Moore is a wide receiver, but he is utilized in a way similar to how Jimbo uses Anaya Smith. You know, line him up all over the place, Lane Kiffin will. Motion him through the formation a good bit. Get your eyes going one way and then do something the other way. Put him in the backfield some. Even John Rice Plumley, the backup quarterback. I mean, John Rice Plumley right now for Ole Miss, he's the backup quarterback. He is in the running back rotation, and he is also a, a potential slot receiver. So, you know, Lane's going to have some special stuff lined up. He always did when he was here, especially early in the game while he's on the script. That's when you got to weather Lane, man. When he's got that script going, those first 15 or 20 plays, he's going to give you some different stuff than you've seen at any point in your film study. So those are the personnel-type matchups that I'm sure have Alabama defensive coordinator Pete Golding up a little bit at night this week. Matching up with Ely, matching up with Elijah Moore, John Rice Plumley. how's he going to be utilized? And then Matt Corral at the quarterback position, this Ole Miss offense isn't last year's Ole Miss offense. This isn't Rich Rodriguez's spread 
power spread that we saw John Rice Plumley run for over a thousand yards in a year ago. But Corral still run the football. You know, he's averaging like 13 carries per game through two contests. Now, he's been sacked six times, and those go on those totals too. So you got to take that into consideration. But the zone read game with Ely, Snoop Connor at the running back position, uh, and then the RPOs, you know, that put those linebackers and a star defender like Malachi Moore in conflict. You know, they get the RPO game going and then sort of yo-yo your star defender there and then hit the slant or hit something behind him if he comes up on the run. Now, those are some matchups for the Alabama defense this week. 205-342-9904, but you got so much sports, man, going on. As we talked about at the outset, you still have the Major League Baseball playoffs. Our Braves going for the three-game sweep of the Miami Marlins coming up in a couple hours. Game three of the NLDS out there in Houston, Texas. Travis Darno, have a week, man. Just hit a couple home runs. Dansby Swanson, too, for the Braves. And can Kyle Wright keep it up today as that number three starter? Ian Anderson, Max Reed. Max, maybe not what you would typically expect in game one, but good enough. That bullpen continues to be very good, too. You know, just a couple of years ago, we were ragging on that Braves bullpen. That Braves bullpen a couple of years ago kept me at Truist Park way too late one night. You know, we were over there. What we were there for, as much as anything, Jason Isbell in the 400 unit were playing a post-game concert. And it was like the Braves and the Padres. And the Braves are up like four runs in the eighth. And so, you know, they're going to let you down on the field back in the day when they let people in stadiums. And so we were, we went ahead in the eighth and went to the area where you lined up to go down on the field for the post-game concert. The chocolate lady, my nephew, and my, uh, and my niece-in-law. And so we're thinking Braves are up four runs. It's all good. We go ahead and get in the Jason Isbell and the 400-unit field line. And sure enough, the Braves bullpen blows it. So now we're in the line, and the line has grown substantially. We can't get out of our spots, so we end up having to sit through about 11 or 12-inning game. In line, we can't even watch the game because we're waiting to go on the field. That was the Braves bullpen of just a couple years ago. Not anymore. Not anymore. And by the way, did you see where Morgan Wallen, is that his name, James? You're probably more familiar. These, these, you know, sort of trendy country music acts, I don't know them as well. Morgan Wallen, the country music star, I guess, of some sort, he was in town over the weekend for the Alabama-Texas A&M game. And I know this because, you know, I have older, grown children, including one that's a freshman over there at the University of Alabama. And so Insta story, TikTok, I'm not a TikTok guy. You know, I think there's an age limit on TikTok and I'm, I'm too old for it. But just on social media, man, Morgan Wallen, he's everywhere. He's in the boxes with Justin Thomas. He's with the students. He's at parties. He's at this and that. Well, Morgan Wallen was supposed to be the musical guest on Saturday Night Live this week. You see where SNL said, no, Morgan you pretty much violated every COVID-19 protocol we could have for a guest. So Morgan gets canceled, and I believe Morgan's biggest hit to this point is a cover of Jason Isbell's Cover Me Up. So why not just put Jason Isbell in the 400 unit in that spot on SNL this week? Now, I have since learned that Jason Isbell in the 400 unit, they're playing one of these socially distanced concert series this weekend up in Tennessee. So they're playing four shows starting tonight through Sunday. So, you know, Jason and the, the band may not be may not be available. Although, why not just do a live? I mean, we do everything virtual now anyway. Why not just do a live cut-in from the show on Saturday Night Live, Saturday night? We're going to step aside to our first break. When we come back, we will check in with Chris Hummer, the professorial one, Chris Hummer, national college football writer, for 247sports.com. We'll do that with Chris and a whole lot more when Southern Fried Sports presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier returns right after this. Um. 
from the University of Alabama. This is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Sun South John Deere, the preferred tractor equipment for Alabama athletics. Visit sunsouth.com or any of their 21 locations across the southeast. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. The Alabama men's basketball team will open with the Stanford Cardinal in the 2020 Maui Invitational as tournament organizers announce the official bracket on Wednesday. The two teams will play the nightcap of the opening round, which will take place on Monday, November 30th at 8.30 p.m. Central. All 12 games of the Maui Invitational will be televised on the ESPN family of networks and streamed on ESPN3. As a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, the 18 tournament was moved from Maui to Harris Cherokee Center in Asheville, North Carolina, and will be held November 30th through December 2nd. I'll have more in a moment. Have you priced a new John Deere tractor lately? SunSouth John Deere has a full line of affordable lawn and tractor equipment this season. SunSouth John Deere has an affordable roster for everyone, from riding mowers to utility vehicles and lots of tractors. Stop by any of the 21 locations across Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia, or visit sunsouth.com to find out what is right for you. Any budget, any project, SunSouth has you covered. Proud to be the preferred tractor equipment dealer of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Join us tonight for Hey Coach and the Nick Saban Show on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Eli Gold is your host starting at 6.30 p.m. Central across the network, and he'll be joined by Coach Saban and we will cover the latest on Alabama athletics. If you cannot listen at 6.30, the show will be archived on our Alabama Insider podcast, available on all podcast platforms. And that's your Mama Update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Sun South John Deere. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports. A warm afternoon with a partly sunny sky, the high 86 degrees. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with the low at 62. Tomorrow, cloudy with a chance of a few showers, the high 79. Saturday, breezy, rain likely much of the day. Maybe a thunderstorm, the high at 78. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. One, two, three, four. of a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you in part by Houston Hydrostein, our good folks there, good friends there, at 205-553-9460. Between your rugs, your carpet, your upholstery, your tile, your grout, you need it all cleaned Go ahead and make the phone call, 205-553-9460. You're spending more time at home than you ever have before. So I'm going to go ahead and guess it's time to go ahead and get those rugs and carpets and upholstery done. Do it with Houston Hydrosteam. Quality work you can stand on. Let's head back to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now and check in with our good pal, the professorial one, Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer, for 247sports.com. Chris, how are you doing on this Thursday morning? I guess, you know, I guess the Houston Cougars are particularly fired up on this Thursday, right? Yeah, they finally they finally get to play some football. I mean, it's been <laughs> it's been months it feels like since Houston's gotten to play a football game. So, uh I think they they're up to what? Five cancelizations so far this year uh for that yeah. season opener. So, yeah, I'm sure they're thrilled. Houston and Tulane tonight. You know, Holgo's hair is always interesting to say the least, but after having those five uh, openers canceled and or postponed, uh, I really need a I need a close up shot of the uh, of the weave tonight for Dana Holgerson. Um, Chris, you're going to be in the state of Texas this Saturday. Uh, talked about this at the outset of the program. You, you talk about surreal and how much of that we've already experienced in the year alone in society, our day-to-day lives, but certainly from a sports perspective, you're going to be at Oklahoma, Texas on Saturday. What's your sort of expectation uh, for that game? What will the attendance be like, I guess? And, you know, typically you have the state fair right there on the fairgrounds coinciding 
with the game. How, how different is all that going to be? It's, I mean, it's hard to know. Like, uh, stadium capacity is going to be limited to 25%. So I, I guess 12.5% Texas fans in orange and 12.5% Oklahoma fans in crimson and cream. Uh, usually one of the coolest things in college football is seeing the split stadium split right down the middle uh, with some orange and some crimson and cream kind of sprinkled together kind of at the halfway point of the field and the stadium. And uh, well, we're not going to see that. Everybody's going to be social distance. And then the state fair itself, as you said, is it's not occurring. What they do have is like a drive through state fair experience. Like you, uh, you roll through, you get your corn dog, you get your funnel cake. You can get out and take a picture with big text. So I guess that'll be happening at the same time as the game. But um, usually you'll see thousands of fans in orange and uh, red kind of gathering together pre and post game. Uh, either way, they're going to be pretty drunk. You got your happy fans at one. You got your fans down the stars at lost. Everybody's eating fried food. It's a, it's a really special thing. And uh, it's just not going to look anything like that this year. It's going to be like Christmas light season or something driving through there, I guess. That's, uh, yeah, that's pretty bizarre. Now, you've told us in the past of the fair at the fair, I guess you could say. Is it the deep fried Snickers that you like or is it a Twinkies? What is it exactly? Yeah, Snickers. Snickers is the play, man. Like, Twinkies are way overrated. Snickers, they get gooey on the yeah. inside. There's just something about it. It is the play. And I'm really hopeful. I can find one out there on Saturday. I don't, I don't, I don't love my chances, but I would drive pretty far for a fried Snickers. So, what's the anticipation level for this game compared to a lot of years? I mean, we just saw Texas lose at home uh, to TCU. We've seen Oklahoma drop two st- two straight conference games. Uh, what's it? What's left, I guess, for the Big 12 at this point? Well, like, if we want to make some more food comparisons, like, fried beer sounds like a great thing in concept. And then when you have it, you're just like, why did I do this to myself? And the Red River rivalry sounds great in concept. It sounds really fun. It's one of the best games of the year. But the product this year is probably going to ask us why we kind of did this to ourselves. Because Oklahoma is as bad as it's been in since probably 2014 probably longer than that, and Texas is bafflingly, bafflingly, bafflingly bad uh, for some reason, and I, I really still can't explain that one. Um, so there's, I mean, honestly, there's not a lot to play for. If Oklahoma wins this week, it technically keeps its Big 12 hopes alive. They've won uh, five straight Big 12 championships. If Texas wins this week, it technically keeps its college football playoff hopes alive. Um, but Texas should be one and two, perfectly honest. They should have lost to Texas Tech. Oklahoma is one and two, and they've lost two straight Big 12 games for the first time since 1999. I think three weeks ago, a lot of us thought this would be kind of a game with top 10, maybe even top five implications uh, with both teams coming here unbeaten, but neither one of the programs have kind of held up their end of the bargain, and it just kind of feels like a shell of itself in more ways than one. So is it up? to Mike Gundy and his magical mullet and the Oklahoma State Cowboys to save this league at this point? Is that is that a realistic expectation, though? Oklahoma, I, I will say Oklahoma State's a little better than I think all of us thought they would be, especially defensively. Um, their secondary has been excellent, and I think that Tulsa game that scared everybody early isn't as big of a deal now that we know that Tulsa's pretty good, uh, they beat UCF last week. Mm-hmm. I think if Spencer Sanders, their starting quarterback, who's been hurt since that Tulsa game, can come back and be the kind of dynamic passer we think he is, Oklahoma State, in my opinion, really does have a shot to be an unbeaten team in the Big 12 or a one-loss team in the Big 12 and gives the Big 12 its usual kind of playoff representative. Um, and as you said, after that, it's, it's such a thin group. Texas is still alive. It would have to win out to make the playoffs, most likely. Um, Iowa State sits the top of the conference at 2-0, and but they have a, a 17-point loss to Louisiana on their ledger. I really don't see any team with a 17-point loss to a group of five team making the playoffs, no matter what Iowa State does. Same thing goes for uh, Kansas State, which lost to Arkansas State. Maybe TCU can run the table, uh, finish 9-1, and 10-1 with the Big 12 championship game. 
But that TCU defense is the worst of the Gary Patterson era by far. Um, I don't see it often, but TCU's allowed more plays of 40-plus yards than any team in the country, which is shocking given Gary Patterson's background. So it's it's a really, really mixed bag right now in the Big 12. And as you said, it is kind of up to the mullet to kind of carry the league this year. Yeah, it seems like ever since Sam Ellinger uttered those words from the podium there in New Orleans after the win over Georgia in the Sugar Bowl a couple of years ago that we're back, the Texas Longhorns. It it, it hasn't been exactly – Well, we, uh, we're back to overrating Texas for sure. <laughs> like that, that hasn't I guess – I guess if we look at it from that perspective, that is uh, absolutely correct. Hey, Chris, I've got some questions for you about the Southeastern Conference. And what I'm going to start with is, through two games, what is something you feel like you absolutely know for sure about the Southeastern Conference in 2020? I'm going to go micro, and I'm going to stay in Tuscaloosa. I, I know that Mac Jones is a quarterback capable of winning Alabama a championship if it comes down to it. Um, I think probably a lot of people have questions about that this offseason. Would he be as good as Tua? Would Bryce Young take his job? And I think for the last two weeks and then for two weeks going into last season against Auburn and Michigan, Mac Jones, outside of probably a really ill-advised pass and Najee Harris, Najee Harris's backside against Auburn, has largely been excellent. Um, his deep ball accuracy this year is among the best in the country. He's been deadly in play action. And I think this is a situation in which Mac Jones is not only being lifted by the talent around him, but he's in part lifting um, kind of his receivers, his backs in the offensive line. He is a kind of distributor capable of winning a national championship. And I think Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields were the reason why Ohio State and Clemson were the preseason favorites over Alabama. And I think I've seen enough, even with just games against uh, Missouri and with the game against, I'm blanking who Alabama played this week, oh, Texas A&M, sorry, uh, Aggie fans out there. You've seen enough trying to, to know that too. Matt Jones is good enough to kind of carry the tide, yeah. Yeah. All right, so what's one thing about the Southeastern Conference through two games you think you know? I think the bottom of the league is stronger than it's been in years. And I'm not talking about kind of your mid-tier SEC teams. I'm talking Vanderbilt. I'm talking Missouri. I'm talking Arkansas. I'm talking Mississippi State. Kind of the four teams we expected to finish at the bottom of the standings. I think we're going to see some really close games in the SEC all year. Part of that's because the contenders behind Alabama have question marks that they may not have had in the past. Uh, I'm not sold on LSU, Texas A&M, Auburn. Georgia has a quarterback question that's pretty significant. Uh, Florida, I still need to see more from that defense. And I think we're going to see some really competitive games at times that we maybe weren't expecting. I think Old Miss is a great example of that. Old Miss, Old Miss, uh, Old Miss's defense is certainly um, an issue, but they can score on anybody. I feel the same way about Mississippi State. Obviously, Arkansas shut the Bulldogs down a week after. Uh, the Bulldogs beat LSU, and I just kind of think that shows kind of the wacky nature of what we'll expect to see this season. Maybe as kind of teams round into form and we see a little more consistency on the practice field and um, just kind of a general kind of role gets going by a lot of these teams, we'll see the bottom half of the conference sift down and maybe these games aren't as competitive. But I, I really do think the bottom part of the league is better than we all expected coming into the year. And with that, Chris, I ask you, what what do you think you're about to find out about this league maybe in the next couple of weeks? I just I think there's some stretches on the schedule that are going to be really telling. Um, I think Alabama plays former Nick Saban assistants three more times in a row coming up this week. Tennessee's got Georgia, which I think is going to tell us a lot about kind of where Jeremy Pruitt is Um, in this rebuild, reload, whatever you want to call it there. I think Tennessee's offensive line is the best in the country, if not one of the best, along maybe with Alabama and Georgia or in Ohio State. But we're going to see that on display on Saturday against the Bulldogs. Um, I think Georgia has a defense capable of carrying uh, the Bulldogs kind of through the SEC, but we're going to find out when they play Tennessee, Alabama, and Florida the next three weeks. 
Florida's got a really difficult stretch ahead as well. They go to College Station this weekend. I think we'll find out a lot more about kind of that Gator defense and if Kyle Trask is capable of kind of putting up those numbers against a um, defense I would consider on the better end of the SEC, despite what we saw um, last week against Alabama. And, I mean, you could keep going for a while. I just There's a lot of questions remaining, especially kind of how everything shapes up behind Alabama kind of in the SEC packing order. And given the games we have on deck the next couple of weeks, I really think we're going to find out a lot more. True or false, Stetson Bennett goes the rest of the way as Georgia's starting quarterback. Is that true or false? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, false, I think. I, I get the feeling he'll, DeWan Mathis will be called upon. I think Stetson's going to have a pretty short leash. Uh, I don't really think JT Daniels is as ready as people would like him to be in Athens, but I would be shocked if JT didn't get a chance later this season. Georgia's good defense is good enough to give them some wiggle room offensively. And if I was Kirby Smart, I'd certainly be experimenting to find the passer that gives us the best gives Georgia the best chance to win a national championship. Um, he's got some time uh, after the Alabama game, and I think that needs to happen before uh, we can really talk about Georgia in a legitimate contender conversation. All right, let's give you a fill in the blank as we let you go here on a Thursday, Chris Hummer. It's like a game show today. I love it. uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm Wink Martindale here. Um, (laughs) Biggest obstacle between Alabama and a national championship in 2020 is blank. Could be a position, could be an area of this team, could be an opponent. That's a great question. I think Alabama's talented enough to overcome some questions with a young secondary. I really I really don't think there's much on Alabama's team that gives me much hesitancy. Um, so I think, as always, the answer is Clemson. Like, we've seen that play out time and time again the last few years in college football. I realize we didn't have the matchup last year, but Clemson has probably the best quarterback prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck. They're loaded they're going to have a pretty friendly path to the playoff, despite the fact that the ACC is a little stronger than it's been in the last few years. And as good as Ohio State is, I still think Alabama and Clemson are the best two teams in the country. And if Alabama wins the SEC, goes undefeated or has one loss, they have an excellent chance of being that one seed. And if that's the case, you're projecting a final, a national championship against Clemson again. And I, I just think Clemson, as it has been, for the last half decade is Alabama's biggest roadblock to a national championship. You buying Miami as a threat to Clemson on Saturday night in Death Valley, Chris? I'm buying Miami as a threat in the same way Louisville was a threat a couple of years ago with Lamar. Um, they have a quarterback special enough to make the game interesting. I just don't know if they're talented enough kind of up and down the roster to make it happen. I really have a question about Miami's offensive line being able to hold up. Um, Miami's offensive line is still a big work in progress, and Clemson's defensive line is nasty this year. Throw in some questions at receiver for Miami and some questions in the secondary as good as Boba Bolden has been. And I just I just don't think Miami's quite there yet uh, to really give Clemson a scare, especially when Clemson's playing the way it can. And it was a bit of a sleepy game last week against Virginia, which I think is a little misleading. Well, Chris, as a parting gift, you're getting a year's supply of turtle wax for participating Boom. on the, the game Whoa. show this morning. How about that? That's uh, that's, that, that's got to be mean, a... Sign me up, man. <laughs> Could do all the turtle wax needed. Always great stuff with Chris Hummer. My man's got it covered from coast to coast. As the national college football writer for 247sports.com. He'll be at the venerable Cotton Bowl on Saturday for the Red Red River Rivalry. We had to get rid of shootout, right? That wasn't we didn't want that yeah, in it, there. So it's the Red River Rivalry these days. It's actually the Red River Showdown, but I just refuse to call oh, it that, and I'll go with the tongue okay. twister instead. They've changed the name like eight times for sponsorship reasons. It's kind of silly. There's a lot of crossover between this game and Florida Georgia, so it will be interesting to maybe get a little bit of a preview for a feel of what even. Although the state of Florida, Ron DeSantis, is it Ron DeSantis or Rick DeSantis, the governor? He's saying open Ron, it all yeah. back up to, to capacity crowds down in the state of Florida. So who knows what we'll have for Florida Georgia? Yeah, yeah I think the who Dolphins knows? are cleared for full capacity too. So it'll be interesting. 
that means he'll be back up to 18,000 and change down there in South Florida. Well, wait till, wait hey, till Tua gets his first snap. He'll be at 24. Yeah. Miami will be up to 13 and change uh, the next home game. The Hurricanes. Hey, uh, Chris, as always, we appreciate the time. Enjoy yourself Saturday. Be careful with those uh, deep-fried Snickers. I, I hope you get your share of them, but just uh, you know, moderation is the key, my friend, as always. Yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to keep it to like five or six. <laughs> Thanks, man. There he goes, Chris Hummer. Give him a follow on Twitter if you haven't already, at Chris underscore Hummer, H-U-M-M-E-R. Back with more of a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. A warm afternoon with a partly sunny sky behind 86 degrees. Tonight, increasingly cloudy with a low at 62. Tomorrow, cloudy with a chance of a few showers, the high 79. Saturday, breezy, rain likely much of the day, maybe a thunderstorm, the high at 78. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Johnny Ramone, lead guitarist for the Ramones, of course. So we got a little Johnny Ramone, the late, great Johnny Ramone, born on this day in 1948. It is Southern Fried Sports. It is presented to you in part by Chase's residential and commercial cleaning. That's right. Whether it's your home, your office, your workspace, let Chase's help you get it, keep it, as immaculate as you want it to be on a daily basis. That's Chase's commercial and residential cleaning. Yashika Barnes, her staff, do an outstanding job, as I've told you before, very dependable, very thorough in how they go about their business. And they can get cleaning specific for you, spick and span specific, I guess you could say, with Chase's residential and commercial cleaning. Give them a call right now at 205-886-3616. you got a particular area of the home that needs uh, concentration when it comes to the cleaning. They can do that for you. Uh, again, your commercial space, they can do that as well. Chase's residential and commercial cleaning, 205-886-3616. Thanks again to Chris Hummer joining us here on a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports uh, we kind of combined like Hollywood Squares, James Ludeman. There was a little Price is Right maybe format in there as we went around college football with Chris Hummer. He's going to have an interesting weekend out there in Dallas for Oklahoma and Tejas. You know, kind of an afterthought. You know, Usually that early kickoff for Texas and Oklahoma this time of year, that's must-see TV. I think when it comes to teams in that part of the country, there's going to be more eyes on Texas A&M early on Saturday with the Florida Gators visiting College Station. I think there's going to be a lot more interest in that game. Now, look, you'll turn it on. You just like to see those uniforms out there together, don't you? You like to see that crimson and cream and that burnt orange and, and white of Texas. Pretty good helmets. You know, if you rank the top helmets in all of college football, you'd have Texas and Oklahoma top 10, wouldn't you? I would. Texas, for sure, to me, is a top 10. That angry OU on that crimson helmet's pretty sharp, too. So I'd have to have those two up there, especially when you consider the, the football tradition there. Michigan would have to be on that list. Alabama, of course. Oregon. Um. Oregon, well, you know which helmet. You know, well, they got they got the those chrome helmets that I really like. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I mean, okay, you know, we'll, we'll put Oregon on there. I got I got to think outside the OK Boomer perspective, right? I mean, I got to consider the younger generation and what the kids like. Yeah, I mean, they Oregon can do some sharp stuff. You know, they can. With those 3,000 combinations. I like UCLA's helmet, James. It's very 
very classic. Again, that's the boomer in me coming out. I understand that. Um, I think Auburn's helmet is sharp. George is angry G, even if they did thieve it from the Green Bay Packers. Um, it's a good look. But you're going to have a couple of nice helmets. A&M's helmet's cool. I like A&M's helmets. Florida's helmet's with the Curse of Gators on it. Not bad. Not bad. Clemson has a pretty good look. Miami with just the U on there Saturday night, matching up with the Clemson Tigers. Going to find out, as we said, about a couple of teams on Saturday. couple of teams. They're road teams. That's how you really find out. Hey, Travis, do you think, you think Miami could pull the upset over Clemson? No. No, I, I'm not buying Miami, and I've been pretty adamant about that. You know, Louisville defensively might be one of the worst teams I've ever seen in college football. And so, you know, that win on the road didn't impact me at all. Um, so I, I'm not buying Miami. Now, you know, if Miami can keep it within a couple touchdowns, I'll at least listen more to Miami perhaps you know, taking a step back towards relevancy on the national scene. But I, I don't buy them, no. You know, and look, Clemson wasn't particularly impressive last week against Virginia. Well, that ended up being an 18-point game. And I don't want to fall into the trap that so many folks do because you saw it just a couple weeks ago with Alabama and Missouri. You know, Alabama wins that game, what, 38-19, and people go around the nation go, oh, wait a minute. You know, didn't exactly blow Missouri out, despite the fact that it was, what, 35-3 to early in the third quarter. Kind of the same way with what we saw from Clemson and Virginia last week. So you got to be careful with some of that, but no. Uh, I, I like Clemson by about what it should be Saturday night uh, with Miami going in there. But an opportunity, you know, with De'Eric King at quarterback. You heard Chris Hummer allude to that. You know, he thinks King gives Miami a punch, puncher's chance in that game. I'm not as sure, not as sold on that. Because I think to have a puncher's chance against this Clemson defense, you better have a quarterback that play in and play out can deliver the football. And Derek King can do some different things. He's very much a dual threat. But can he stand in there against that defense and make throws consistently? That's where I kind of – get off that bus a little bit. I like to watch Derek King. Fun college quarterback to watch. Good college quarterback. But the manner in which you have to go about your business to beat Clemson and this defense, I still don't think Miami is equipped on that side of the ball to do it. 205-342-9904 as we wind down a Thursday edition of Southern Fried Sports. You know, we talked about some of these matchups for Alabama and Ole Miss Earlier in the program, I'm going to give you one or two more anyway. How about the Alabama run game? Time to get that thing going, isn't it? And not so much even in terms of putting together, say, a two, 300-yard performance. Because Alabama, offensively, isn't built the same way that, say, Kentucky is built. Kentucky last week against Ole Miss, 408 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns for Kentucky against this Ole Miss defense and still lost the game in OT because you don't make your extra points. But this seems to be a prime opportunity, again, even if it's not in terms of rushing yards at the end of the night. Uh, Rushing touchdowns haven't been a problem, by the way. Najee with five in two games. You know, Alabama, for whatever you think about its run game to this point, when it has gotten into first and goal situations – Najee has finished the deal behind that offensive line five times in the first two games, goal to goal. Uh, He's gotten it done. But you like to see the yards per carry get to where they need to be. Alabama comes into this game averaging just 3.4 yards per carry. Uh, The good news for Alabama from that perspective is that, again, this is an Ole Miss defense that a week ago gave it up at 7.3 yards per clip. To Kentucky the week before that in the opener, Florida didn't run for a ton of yards, but it averaged 6.7. So this should be, again, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, maybe even get a third back involved. Uh, you get at least your your yards per rush up 
in this game. Also, you know, we talked earlier about the defensive matchups for Alabama and trying to get things sorted out between the linebacker and safety levels and you know the personnel that Ole Miss is going to present that can be a problem. You know, I think Alabama right now is in good shape on the outside. You know, Josh Job and Patrick Sertan the second, you got to feel really good about those two guys. And even with Malachi Moore coming on at the start position last week. So star in the corners, you go into Saturday night. And again, it's going to be a 630 kickoff now with Alabama and Ole Miss. And you feel okay about matching up with Jonathan Mingo, really good young receiver for Ole Miss. Elijah Moore, again, as we talked about earlier, you're going to see him some outside. You're going to see him in motion a lot. Jet sweep potential there with Lane and Elijah Moore. Going to put him in the backfield um, some as well from time to time. You've got another receiver in Dontario Drummond that's an experienced guy to go in that three-wide receiver set along with Kenny Yaboa at tight end. In fact, Dontario Drummond you know, has only two catches so far this season, both against Florida, both went for touchdowns. And you're going to need to be on alert for just about anything with Lane. Because, again, John Rice Plumley in that mix. You're going to see him on the field with Matt Corral. So a two-quarterback type situation. And even Drummond in the game against Florida threw a double pass. Off a double pass, Ontario Drummond had a 45-yard completion to Jerry and Ely. So you know it's going to be hold my beer and watch this mode for Lane on Saturday night. A little bit of everything uh, potentially in the mix. We had a caller ask for three picks against the spread um, for this weekend. Asked for that. You know, Rusty, he gives you those home underdogs with teeth. And uh, he had those here in the last couple of days that we put up on the personal Twitter account at Travis Ryer, T-R-A-V-I-S-R-E-I-E-R. Rusty likes Navy getting three and a half at home against Temple. He liked BC getting four at home against Pitt. He likes Ole Miss getting, I think it's up to 24 now against Alabama. And then Georgia Tech getting five at home. So those were Rusty's home underdogs with perhaps the sharpest teeth and rusty going into the weekend sits at a profitable seven four and one that's going to do it for a thursday edition of the program as always thanks to james ludeman for producing the show thanks to chris hummer for joining us as well it is the thursday lunch whistle and that means eat pizza bar downtown tuscaloosa government plaza right there in the heart of our fair city Great, great stuff. I told you about those daily specials. Well, it is a Thursday, so that means $6 pepperoni pizzas, $5 signature cocktail starting at 6 o'clock. Open for lunch as well, so that's a great option for you coming up here in the next little bit. But Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa, Government Plaza. Great, great folks. Until 11 a.m. on Friday, Travis Ryer, hoping you have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. Got that.